Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Age, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's show, dairy farmer Gillian O'Sullivan explains how she achieves similar production to twice a day herds while milking just once a day and allowing for a family friendly work life balance. Well, we have a, a fragmented farm, and I guess uh, so we were always. Um, milking dairy cows in our home farm here and, and on, on the uh, on the outside block would have been a, a beef or a suckler farm and uh, in 2005 then we swapped that over because the outside block had, had a greater land base uh, so now uh, since then we're, we're, since 2005 we're milking it on the on the out farm which is 41 hectares and uh, we're milking about uh, we say 100 a little over 110 cows there and the home farm which was initially where, where we were always milking is, is now where we are replacement heifers. We're here now in mid-June, just to get an idea of what sort of production are you achieving and based on what kind of a diet? Yeah, so um, the, the one thing, the one, one uh, downside of, of farming on the um, on, on our milking platform is that it's probably one of the driest farms in the country. So it's very, very steep. It's south-facing. And over the last, let's say, 10 days, we're after really, really starting to, to struggle with the drought. And that's, you know, that's that's the just the downside of, of that type of farm. Um, it's great in the springtime, it's great with the shoulders. You can get out and go grazing. But yeah, we're we're um we're after being affected by the drought the last ten days, and it means that um our production wise we're producing little over one point five kilos milk solids, and we are uh we've silage in the diet, uh, so and we're we're also feeding um four kilos concentrate, which for us this time of the year isn't really isn't ideal, but. There you go. This is uh, the 2018 is the year that just keeps on giving, isn't it? Yes. And in in terms of that, have you any stats on farm cover? Uh, have you an idea of farm cover overall or farm cover per cow? Uh, farm cover per, per, per cow is around the, uh, is around 130 at the moment. So again, not, okay, not so, ideal. Yeah. yeah. So you're trying to hold until you get that bit of rain and you can build again. That's it. So we got a small dribble of rain last night, but um, maybe just enough to wet the ground. Um, we're hoping now Saturday will we'll, uh, bring out a little bit more. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's really holding back at the moment. And then when we when we consider, you know, you're well into the breeding season at this stage, can you give us an idea of how that has gone for you, you know, submission rates or, you know, repeat rates? We've been relatively happy with the breeding season so far. Um, as regards submission rates, you know, we, we, we're, everything was, everything um, came cycling, everything got um, an AI straw that was, you know, um, on the, for the milking cows and uh, repeat rates at the moment. So we're just after hitting seven weeks and we're seeing, you know, I'd be hoping that we'd be getting between, you know, 65-ish concentrates per service. We'd see, I mean, I'm, that's a little bit lower than what I, than, than um, you know, repeat rates are coming back, you know, quite, quite, we've won, I think, a repeat rates of about 30% at the moment. But, you know, you always get those little surprises in the last few weeks. So I'll hold off on making a call on this just yet, but relatively happy so far. And as regards our replacement heifers, um, we, they are going to be scanned um, pretty soon, but there we're looking at maybe over seventy percent concession rates per service in our replacement heifers. So happy enough now with that. And just in terms of, are ye all AI or are ye AI and bull? So our our plan, our, our breeding strategy would be dairy AI for the first four four weeks, and then we have beef AI up to week six, and then we let off um, bulls then for the last four weeks. So it's a ten week breeding season. Has this spring and, you know, the beast from the east, have you seen that affecting the cows, maybe production wise or fertility or have have you recovered from it? Well, I would say production wise, we weren't really hit that badly. Now, that was probably as a consequence of just, you know, very generous um, 
supplementation as regards a, a concentrate. But um, our silage supplies were relatively good and we were able to, you know, keep feeding. We didn't have to buy in a, a whole pile of silage. It was only very, you know, down to in April, we bought 30 bales. But we got through the vast majority of the spring with our own silage, which really benefited, you know, production wise. As regards fertility, we felt that, you know, well, the once a day system is going to be easier on cow condition anyway. So we felt that the cows were in, you know, were in relatively good nick coming into the, coming into the breeding season. And I think that's, that's shown through as well with, you know, with, with having all, you know, all submission rates have been um, 100% over, you know, in, in the first couple of weeks of the breeding season. So I'd be happy out with that, um, considering what an awful, awful spring it was. And I think we've got a nice feel for the O'Sullivan farm and your current performance. But what we're really interested to hear about is the fact that you're practicing once a day and you've alluded to that. Um, we have spoken um, two or three weeks ago to Brian Hilliard about once a day, but it would be really interesting to hear it now from the farmer perspective. So you're operating that for almost 10 years. Can you talk us through you know why you continue this practice and how it works for you well yeah this is our 10th season once a day and from what you know what started out as going once a day to buy time and to just manage and cope after my brother passed away um after that it became something that everyone really really enjoyed uh you know it encouraged myself and Neil to come down and take up farming when neither of us really had uh, had a with a huge knowledge base when it came to dairy farming but you know it gave us the time and the space to to, to learn on the job um, it gave us a fantastic work-life balance and uh, and then we could see after a couple of years that it definitely was really resilient and profitable um, you know with those bad years of 15 and 16 who still the business was still profitable and then we couldn't really find a reason to go back twice a day um, so yeah we, we've just been really pleased with it we have three young kids as well and you know, their evenings are filled up with you know, football hurling rugby that type of thing and to be able to take part in those aspects of their lives it's invaluable to us. And, you know, you talked through, um, you know, roughly 10 years ago, you were new to dairying. Can you talk us through your transition from like, you know, it's nearly a, a new life and a new career. Um, talk us through the, how you transitioned into dairying. Well, uh, we transitioned into dairying. Well, both myself and Neil were like we were working full time small animal vets and we're living in an apartment in Dublin City. And then in 2009, we came, I came down to just get through the spring. And Neil, both myself and Neil then were coming down to do weekends um, and to, just to give a dig out on the farm. And then um, the following year, then we just we we, uh, we gave up our jobs, handed our notice and um, we, we moved home. And that was uh, that's how it started. So we were very, very fortunate to have, um, you know, my parents were wonderful support. My dad is, is, is you know, so progressive. All his life has been so progressive and he's been great to teach us. He had no trouble just teaching us everything from scratch. He's, you know, he's telling us. And, and we often needed to be t- told uh, numerous times, but uh, he was fantastic. And again, to add to that, Brian Hillard has been has been a real rock um, for for us here as a as a farm advisor, and uh, we're blessed to have him. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a really fabulous story, Gillian. Um And I suppose you know what I'm getting from you. It's all quite positive um, for your system. Um, you know, you talk about the work-life balance um, and, you know, the time that it allows you with, say, your family. What other positives do you see um, within the system of once a day? Um, well, apart from the, just, you know, the flexibility is a huge thing. And I've mentioned that before, just, for, you know, that, that it has a great social impact as regards having flexibility with the dairy farm, because dairy farms are quite time constrained in that you have to be in the parlour at certain times in the day. 
Uh, but as regards, you know, as regards people, it's wonderful. As regards cow welfare, that's where, where you know, we didn't really expect to have a really big uh, impact on cow welfare because we knew very little about the system starting out. But that knocked on that, you know, you fantastic fertility. We're close to 90% um, of the cows calved in the first six weeks on a consistent basis. Um, you've got, because it, it just takes a level of production stress off cows in early lactation. And that results in them being in better body condition. And coming into the breeding season, cows in better body condition are more likely to go and calf to their first service. So that you know, we we saw those benefits across the board. Uh, other 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 benefits as regards cow welfare was in terms of lameness. Um, uh, just a recent study there showed that you know lameness in Ireland is the prevalence of lameness in pasture based herds is around 17%. Ideally, it should be less than 10%. And uh, for um, for herds that are milked once a day, you get superior hoof health and as a result and reduced lameness. So we definitely saw that as well. And for a farm that is so steep and we do so much walking up and down hills, the um, you know, the, the lameness isn't really a huge issue um on the farm here. So we're very, very, very happy with that. Uh we have um I guess the the big other positives would be it's a low cost system. So you have to you know, you have to get your head around that, that a low cost system means that you have to focus on the resources you have yourself. So focusing on growing and utilizing as much grass as possible, improving soil fertility and making the most of the likes of slurry and farmyard manure. And just, you know, that it makes the system very resilient. Um, and especially when, when milk price starts to drop. You've mentioned all the benefits and, and there's are there so many of them. Uh, one of the biggest worries and barriers, even for people to milk once a day for the first three or four weeks of lactation, will be that hit in terms of annual production. And, you know, it is it is the main barrier. And um, what sort of production are you achieving now? And was it low when you initially went into once a day and did it build and stabilize over time? Yeah, so that that is one of the big negatives of once a day that um that you know that, that there's a production drop. And when we went once a day our first year, we took a twenty percent drop in production, and that was year one. In year two, we jumped up uh, further. We went fifteen percent of the gain there, and by year three, we were back to uh, twice a day solids. Um, so initially on our last year, twice a day, we were doing three hundred and sixty-four kilos milk solids. By our third year. Uh, once a day, we were back at that, and this we say in 2017, our performance co-op performance delivered to the co-op would have been 384 kilos per cow, um, and that's with kind of over nine percent solids, and you're you know looking at 45 over 45 centiliter. So you know all all fairly positive figures there. Now what got us there, like the key to to uh, succeeding once a day, I think, is managing the transition well and having the cow that suits the system. Uh, a cow that suits the system is, you know, what we have found is one that um, you know, crossbred cows do do quite well. Jersey and crossbred cows do take, you know, they transition better than a than a black and white cow. Now, it doesn't mean to say that black and white cows um, can't fit into the system. But one thing that we've been always been focusing on, and we've realised in the last couple of years, is has been that as regards, if you're looking at EBI figures for for cows, the kilos of fat and protein on your EBI figures are, are quite important. And the higher that they are, kilos of fat and protein, they, they, you know, the, the better the cow seems to perform on once a day. So um, ours, our kilos for fat and protein on uh, on our EBI figure would be, would be over 20 when you combine both of them. And um, that's, that's probably a good bit higher than, 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 you know, your average black and white herd. 
and maybe that's you know that's what we're we're breeding for it um because fertility seems to come fairly fairly naturally in the herd you get good fertility performance and it's not to say that you you, you leave fertility behind but that you you know there's a natural kind of increase in fertility in the herd but so we're a little bit more production focused we don't know how far we can go along that line though it's you know it's a big learning curve because you know we're, there's not that many herds that are at once a day and we kind of seem to be learning from each other at it yes and i suppose just to pick up 384 kilos of solids delivered like that that that's you know almost hitting that's your national average for your twice a day so you know it's really competitive and another point on that, you know, the the fact that you mentioned, your, you know, your fertility is consistently so good with your hitting the 90 percent six week calving rate. Um, like, I mean, that has a huge knock on effect on the days in milk and, and you know, higher days in milk is going to drive higher production, it which does, is important. Yeah, to know and, too. and I mean, the other thing about that is, is when you have if you're hitting the national average as we are with them, um, you know, with, with once a day production, the national average, the same national day average as a twice a day herd, then um, we say that a national uh, twice a day herd is probably doing around 5,000 litres. And the, um, and, and uh, the, if with A plus B minus C, you have a minus C charge with our processor of four centilitre. Um, four centilitre processing charge on 5,000 litres becomes 200 euro. Um, if you have so our once a day herd is producing around four thousand liters, the processing charge on on four thousand liters at four centiliter is one hundred and sixty euro. So the saving there, that's you know saving onto my milkshake is an extra forty euro for um, three hundred less milkings and producing you know similar sizes as a twice a day average twice a day herd. So you know the savings all round really. And you mentioned you're using crossbred cows. Were you always using crossbred cows or have that is that been introduced into the system over the last ten years? Well, the herd was already was always crossbred, um, but you know, with with varying different types of breeds, so there would have been a bit of Mount Belliard, a bit of Swedish Reds, a bit of Normans. There was, you know, there was definitely Jersey breeding in there, but a bit of, like you know, a bit of everything. The, the herd was was most definitely crossbred when we, when when I came down and started here. But we did go further into the Kiwi Cross and the Jerseys as well. So, it's, you know, it's, the herd is very crossbred. When you consider the key performance indicators at the end of the year to compare your herd and benchmark your herd against others, would you use similar uh, metrics to the conventional twice-a-day farms or is there something different you'd consider for a once-a-day herd? Since we started out, we've always been benchmarking ourselves against um, other twice-a-day herds because we're in a quite a progressive um, twice-a-day her- um, discussion group uh, local to us, the Data 1250 group, and they're they're fantastic. So it's great to be able to benchmark yourself against very good twice-a-day herds. But since we are in, uh, since we set up our own once-a-day discussion group um, in 2015, we benchmark ourselves against uh, other once-a-day herds as well. Um, and I mean, the key performance indicators are always going to be similar enough. So you know, you're looking at your six-week six-week calving rate. You're looking at your performance per, per cow, somatic cell count, just all those, all the, you know, all the regular ones. And then you know, the the profit monitor stuff. Then at the end, at the year end. Can you give us an idea of what your day looks like, you know, in terms of obviously you're only milking once a day. Does your start time vary to a twice a day herd? Um, because, again, we have, you know, three young ch- children, we kind of to work the uh, milking around uh, school drop off time and, and <laughs> that type of thing. So it is an early start. We, we we like to get the milking out of the way and kind of freeze up the rest of, of the day then. Uh, so starting milking close to six o'clock and in the morning and finishing finishing around nine ish. Um, and that's, you know, everything, yard wash down, everything. So typical day, I mean, today we would, you know, milking in the morning, 
um, Neil was milking this morning, whereas I've been milking the last four mornings because we split it between us. And um, so back out on the farm then for a couple of hours, we were, we were doing a little bit of, I think, a dosing there for a while. And then this afternoon, Neil was doing a grass cover. But he was finished there before four o'clock and he's out with the kids now while, while I'm chatting to you. So it's, you know, uh, other days would be filled with fertilizer spreading or doing something. But there's great job satisfaction to finish, finishing the milking in the morning, starting a job and being able to finish it by the end of the day without having interruptions. You know, you, you, there's, there's benefits um, all around for me. And, and just to follow on from that, I'm getting that it's all very positive. But is there any temptation to revert back to, say, the twice a day milking system? Genuinely, I can't find a reason to go back to twice a day. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you'd probably get more production out of the cows if you went back uh, twice a day. But would those cows be suited to a twice a day system? And would I see, would I see a massive drop off in fertility? And, you know, and then would I see a huge drop off in my quality of life? Um, I don't know. <laughs> so, look, we've, we've, we've gotten this far with, with the breeding cow for once a day system. Um, uh, you know, and and I don't know, would we would we get back to to yeah? Look, we'd never go back twice a day, to be honest. Yeah, and I suppose my final question to Jilling, um, when we consider looking um to keep up to date, technically we have you know, uh, discussion groups, open days. What is your what was your main source of information you know throughout your dairy career, and and what do you do now to keep keep yourself up to date? So to keep up to date. Um, initially, we we got loads of information from our local advisor Brian Hilliard because he was so um, he was always interested in once a day. So he provided us with loads of once a day information initially, and then once we got our head around the system and we were able to, um, you know, we, we were sourcing information then from um, New Zealand, from Matthew University, and from uh, Colin Holmes because he was doing great um, uh, he was doing great research over there on once a day. Then once we started up our own once a day uh, discussion group, the PODI discussion group, um, we have a group of 22 farmers They're across 12 counties in, in the country. We really started to learn from each other. And um, so that's been really, all those areas have been, have been very positive. Um, and also myself, I started a dairy herd health cert through, through UCD in the past two years. And um, again, that's been, you know, that's a broad, um, I guess, education in, in dairy herd health problems. And I think that's really helped as well on the farm here, just to tighten up certain areas, especially around maybe um, calf management in springtime and uh, cow nutrition and just, you know, different areas. It's really added to, you know, why we're doing things on the farm. So, look, I think that that um, every day you're learning something on the farm is a good day. And, um, you know, going to farm walks is, is invaluable as well. And you always learn something at, 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 at you know, visiting other, other farms and and hearing hearing other other people's experiences or trying different things. So, um, yeah, broadly speaking, we've, we kind of dipped our toe in everything to learn. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Thanks, Emily. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Gillian O'Sullivan for joining me on the show. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.